Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, AJ and Vincent chat with Heather McLeod, Chief Marketing Officer at Authority Brands. She talks about how a hybrid work schedule allows for more creativity from varying locations. AJ gets into football and Vincent approves of AJ's haircut. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista and still General Manager. I dropped the interim. I gave myself a promotion, ladies and gentlemen. I am now the General Manager of whatever it is I do. I don't know. But thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to be doing this episode for a variety of reasons. I'm just happy today, you know, but people are like, come on, those of you who listen are like, you're happy every day. We get it. But especially today, right? We've got, you know, great guests. We're talking to, uh, you know, AJ. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you why I'm happy to see him. It is going to be fun. Let's just pause, though, for talk about Strista, just for like 15 seconds. That's all we do is we talk about us for 15 seconds. You can handle that. We are a marketing technology company. We have our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We then have the technology to reach those individuals. Email marketing through our ESP. Our DSP that we own, Adster, Display, OTT, Connected TV, help reach them to help get new customers. Get your messaging in front of them. Who could not use new customers? That's all, ladies and gentlemen. Email me, vincent at starista.com. I'm not, I won't include my last name because it you won't get it right. It's a long one. So a nice, simple version. It's so good to be here. And it's so great to have my co-host on, ladies and gentlemen. He, if you're listening to the last episode, he said he was going to get a haircut. And I made fun of him because every time I see him, he gets a haircut. And I think he gets ripped off. Not because it isn't a good haircut, but the fact is, it seems like they take four snips and then they charge him like $68. This time, it actually looks like he got a haircut. Good job, ladies and gentlemen. AJ Gupta, what's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. I'm uh, glad you approve a barber that's not your own. Yes, yeah, I know. Well, you if you were here in New York, forget it. You know, I would make sure you had a haircut every two weeks. Uh, not like me. I get, I go, I'm going uh, later today. I go every 10 days. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm vain. Who knows? Probably. But it's good. I'm fine, finally glad you got some taken off uh, this time. Yeah, it's bad when it's getting uh, too long for me. So it, uh, it definitely, definitely looks a little bit better, I would say. So. Good. It's about time. So I'm sure I'm sure when I see you in December that you, there's no haircut from now till December happening. Am I? Is that a true statement? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
By the way, since I'm into uh, football now, uh, the Giants is, Giants seem to be doing pretty good. So. The Giants are doing pretty good. The, the Jets are doing pretty good here in New York. Our guest coming win. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our guest coming up. She is a big Jets fan. You know, it's not a, it's not a, if you, where she grew up in New York, normally they're Buffalo Bill fans in that area. In, in that yeah. area. So we're, we're gonna to talk to her in a moment. We're very excited. We have a great guest today. See, she's a New Yorker, AJ, originally. And then she also grew up in Texas. I'm like, this is like the best podcast guest ever. You know, we've got New York and Texas covered. You know, she lives still on the East Coast now. I guess, I guess yeah, Maryland's the East Coast. They, yeah, they consider that the East Coast. But ladies and gentlemen, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. We are gonna have so much fun the Chief Marketing Officer of Authority Brands, Heather McLeod. What's going on, Heather? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's great to have you. A New Yorker. I, I You know, I, <laughs> I, I get the sense. I, so you grew up like upstate New York. I went to college upstate New York. I went to school in Oswego, New York, which is really why, like, my second favorite football team, Heather, are the Buffalo Bills. You know, a lot of Buffalo Bills fans are like, we're the only true New York team. It's like, all right, take it easy, Buffalo. You haven't won anything Take it easy. I don't care where the Giants are. I don't care where the Giants are from, New York or New Jersey. We just historically had a better team. But you grew up in, you grew up in uh, upstate New York. You yeah, I was up, born you, in upstate born in, New York and yeah. grew up in in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I've been I, all over. Military kid, kid oh, okay. of two Air Force parents. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's all. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you, parents, for their service. We also, and then now a Jets fan though. So you chose the team that a lot of New Yorkers don't choose, but hey, that's it. You stuck with them. And now you're representing them in uh, the Maryland area. Love it. I love it. Heather, we have a lot of things to cover today. So when you and I first met, you, you, uh, you know, the last four years, you've been, you've been at, uh, you know, authority brands for um, about what, seven or eight years? Yeah, yeah, going on eight years in January, but it was actually, um, I've been at Authority Brands since before Authority Brands was Authority Brands, so eight years in Maryland. That's a, eight, eight, that's like a, the, the title of like a book, eight years in Maryland. It's, uh, yeah. you know, but so no, when you, you, you started out, so you were the, you know, the VP of marketing for the cleaning authority, which is actually one of the brands within Authority Brands. And then you, you know, chief yes. marketing officer of, you know, of Authority Brands you know, rocking and rolling the last four years. But when this episode comes out, you're actually gonna have a new title. You keep doing your thing, keep growing, we love that. Talk to us about the new role. Yeah, so um, I joke that I was at Authority Brands before it was Authority Brands. So like you said, I was the VP of Marketing for the Cleaning Authority, which was the foundational brand that became the platform um, to kind of house all of these home service franchise brands. So we have um, 12 today. I'm sure by the end of the year, we'll have maybe one or two more. Um, and I've been the CMO leading the marketing team um, for the last four years. And I'm transitioning now into a chief growth officer role, sitting over the marketing function, as well as our franchise sales and development teams. Um, which is really exciting because I think for a lot of for a lot of marketers, you know, it's kind of hard to see what happens next after 
CMO, right? It's it's kind of like the the culmination of a marketing career. What do you do next? And so for me, it's really exciting to think about, you know, the levers that drive our business forward being, you know, opening new locations and getting new entrepreneurs in our system, in our franchise brands, and then on the marketing side, helping them grow and helping drive revenue to them. So those are kind of the two um, growth levers in the organization. And so being able to strategically drive forward both of those areas is really exciting for me. I, I love it. Uh, you know, congrats on that. It is a great, amazing next step. Like you said, after CMO, it's like now kind of you know, overseeing a, a few different areas. We love that. And, you know, this is like an exclusive. You're, you're, you're dropping, I feel like, very, very, very important where you're like, you're announcing it here. It's like, you know, when like Barbara Walters or Oprah, I, I'm not comparing myself to them in the slightest, but, but it's almost like, it's like, you know, we have the exclusive. That is amazing. Let me just, uh, you know, before we get into one of our signature questions about, you know, how you got into marketing, let me just share some of the brands, uh, you know, of authority brands, the cleaning authority, as you mentioned. Mosquitoes, Mosquito Squad, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, Monster Tree Service, uh, Color World House Painting, just to name a few. Love it. And the question I have, again, so people love hearing this because of your amazing trajectory. Talk to us, Heather, how you got into marketing in the first place? Yeah, I mean, so funny enough, um, when I was in high school, so we'll go way back. When I was in high school, um, I really wanted to be on the dance team and I did not make the dance team. And so my mom said, you need to find a new hobby um, <laughs> because you need to be involved and you need to be doing things. And my high school had a business professionals of America what? organization. And so I joined that and uh, thought, hey, this is kind of cool. Maybe I want to go to college and get a business degree. And um, I think marketing is where I want to focus. So um, I'm kind of one of the few who maybe actually went to school for what they ended up doing. Yes, yes. Um, and I got into franchise marketing specifically um, because I was struggling to get a job after the during the recession in 2008. I went back to grad school and started interviewing for marketing roles and um, got offered the marketing job at a restoration franchise based in Waco, Texas, and thought, I don't know anything about restoration, but I know a lot about marketing. And I think these people all seem really nice and awesome. I bet they can teach me about restoration. And the rest is kind of history. That is amazing. Yeah, we rarely get, especially high school. My high school didn't have anything like that. AJ, I don't know. Maybe that's just a, a Texas thing where you have that. <laughs> and, and before AJ asks this question, were you a good dancer? Was your mom right? Was the team right? Or you were like, no, I'm a really good dancer and they just made a mistake. I really wanted to be a really good dancer. I really <laughs> did. You know, that was back in the day too, where you could buy like the VHS tapes of people like teaching you how to do your favorite, you know, teen pop star mm -hmm. dance moves. And, you know, I was a committed participant. Um, but you know, safe to say, maybe not the most graceful. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was very tall, very young. And so it uh, came yeah. with some clumsiness, you might be able to say. Yeah, <laughs> so they got it right. Thank you for <laughs> and sharing. I ended up just fine. I ended up just fine. Yep. So no complaints. <laughs> well, it's like Heather, you've accepted your fate. I'm still trying to be a professional athlete and 
some capacity. So. <laughs> so Heather, tell us a little bit about you know how you're marketing today. What are some of the channels that you focus on, and what's uh, really working for you? Yeah, uh, for most of our brands, we're pretty um, diverse in channel. Um, with a kind of a blend of what we would consider, you know, traditional um, and digital. Um, so for us, it normally means a decent amount of direct mail, um, a decent amount of paid search. Google local service ads are a really big driver in our space. If you can imagine when people are searching for home services, normally it's a really high intent search. So things like, you know, water heater replacement, normally things that indicate that they really want service more than people who are maybe searching with the intent to research and then make a decision. Um, so we've got a good mix across the board. Um, we're doing some um, CTV now. We're doing a good amount of social, social video. Um, so it's a little bit of a blend, but for sure the biggest drivers for us kind of traditionally have been um, paid search. And over the last few years that shifted into LSAs, as much volume as we can get in LSAs will take, and then a good amount of direct mail. And I know it's hard to pick your uh, favorite children, but you have a number of brands that uh, are under you. Are there kind of, can you share kind of your top three, which ones are your favorite? Yeah, well, um, I won't pick favorites because that would be um, just like you said, you can't pick a favorite kid, right? But I will say the brands that I think are doing some of the most interesting things, right, that are that are fun to work on for a variety of reasons. So one of the brands that's really exciting for me right now is actually our newest brand. It is Woofies is the name of the brand. It is a mobile dog grooming, dog walking service. Um, and this is kind of falls in our emerging brand category because it is pretty new and up and coming in the franchising space. But this is one that my guess would be in two or three years when we look back, this brand will have exploded. Because if you have a, a dog and you experience during COVID, trying to get that dog groomed could, could be incredibly difficult. And having a mobile service, I think, is you know, really the way of the future. It's so easy for a consumer to take advantage of that service. So um, it's also a fun brand to market because I mean, who doesn't love pets? Um, and one of the cool things we've got going on in that brand. So all of our franchise owners um, on their grooming vans, they get to feature any dog they want. So whether that's their personal dog or some have done like contests in their market for um, you know a casting call to cast the dog that's on their van. So it's just a super fun brand. And um, while of course I love our traditional home service brands, it gets the team a little excited because there's some new stuff they can do. So gotta love Woofies. Of course, I love the Cleaning Authority. It's my original brand. Um, and who doesn't love recurring business model? Um, you know, it's a low cost service. I also personally hate cleaning my house. So can't uh, can't fault that and then um who else i think um you know one hour hvac the things that are happening in that brand and the growth that that brand has seen over the last couple of years is just 
out of control. So I think the sky's the limit for them too. So I love all of the brands for different reasons, but I think those three kind of have some exciting stuff happening right now. Yeah. Nice. And I have actually joked on this podcast, a semi-joke where I'm like, you know, I have a favorite. I have a favorite child because I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And my two-year-old is all about my wife. He doesn't pay any attention to me. So guess what? As of now, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of favor the five-year-old. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way, AJ, about, uh, but, you know, my kids are not. My wife doesn't you even know, listen to the podcast. Yeah, it used to be like that, but my uh, four-year-old daughter is really coming around now. So I'm uh, yeah. starting to uh, like her more in the response. So they'll, yeah. they'll all come around. So. Yeah, it's very yeah. cyclical. It's very cyclical for me and that, like, you know, every all these things that we do, especially things that my team is working on that are fun and exciting, like the, you know, what brands have like more of my attention at any moment, it changes so frequently throughout the year because there's just so much that the team is doing. I mean, it's 70 some odd people on a marketing team, right? So the team is big. They're doing lots of cool stuff, um, which is cool because it means that I kind of get the opportunity to ping pong a little bit and shift my focus based on what's going on. So it's exciting. And then of course, you know, my next favorite brand is always the next brand we buy because it's fun to expand and um, learn more about what other brands are doing and see what some of the brands that we acquire have kind of in their marketing system. So it's fun to get, it's fun to have options, I should say. Yeah, no, it, it definitely seems like that because of the fact that there's so many different brands and there's just, just a variety of them. It, it's, it's never a, a dull moment, I would imagine, at authority brands. Heather, let me ask you this. The, I'm always curious to see, you know, when we talk to a company, you know, that is, you know, either represents franchises or is in itself a large franchise organization. Are you responsible as far as marketing wise to market your current brands to help get people interested in maybe becoming franchise owners? And or is it also helping those individual franchises market their services to some areas, maybe regionally? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so it's both. Um, and the approach that I've taken with the structure of the team is that they're dedicated teams working on both. So if you're a franchise owner in our system, you have a dedicated team of marketers who works on your brand and on your brand only, who love it live and breathe it, know it forwards and backwards, ambassadors for the brand, right? They're focused on helping you grow your business. And in six of our 12 brands, they're actually executing your local marketing for you. So they're actually responsible for lead gen, how many calls are coming in, how the call center is booking those calls, how those are converting to estimates on your calendar. Basically, as far as we can get that lead down to being booked revenue, the team is handling. So that's kind of one piece of the team. And then there's a second piece of the team whose job is basically to support the growth of the franchise system and helping attract and um, identify business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are interested in expanding their portfolio. They might already own several businesses already, and we're trying to expose them to you know, just the opportunities that home services provide and the stability that comes from home services. Safe to say we were probably one of the least affected you know, verticals by 
um, by COVID yeah. and all of their shutdowns. So it's a whole separate team that's focused on that. And they're really, you know, focused on telling the stories of the owners we have in the system um, and highlighting all of the, you know, just amazing people we have in the network and then focused on trying to find more people like that in markets where we, we might have, you know, open, open space to open new locations. Mm -hmm. You know, thanks for answering that. It, it, it was curious about that. So that you really, wow, it's a, it's a lot involved. And Heather, you touched upon a, a question I was going to ask as well, where what makes an ideal franchise owner? Is it kind of someone who maybe owns a small HVAC company already? Is it a business executive like me and AJ who you know, may you think about like another source of income? I'm just curious. It's, it's fascinating, especially the brands that you have. Yeah. I mean, I think a good franchise owner can be any of those things. They could already own a business in a similar space and want to expand. They could be in, you know, corporate America and be ready to get out of that and to start working for themselves and building something for their family. I think the most common shared characteristic um, is they have to have a strong support system and they need to have a desire to succeed, right? And it's hard to test for that, identify that. Resilience is really the word, right? If you can imagine, you know, if you have a bad day, um, at a corporate job and come home, you know, it's a little easier to shake that off than maybe if you've had a bad day and you've invested money into a business for yourself. If you don't have a strong support system at home and your spouse or your partner or your friend is saying like, well, you made a terrible choice. You shouldn't have done that. That sits way different than, you know what? It's going to be better tomorrow. Like you got this, we can do this. Right. So it's, it's hard to um, it's hard to identify that for us sometimes. And that's really what we're trying to get down to. Like, how resilient are you? And when you have a bad day, how are you going to get through that? Because that type of person can come from any of those spaces you mentioned, right? Like there are successful people that come from all of those different backgrounds. It's really more kind of the characteristics of an entrepreneur um, that, that really kind of get down to how is someone going to perform when they have a day that maybe is a little tough. And, you know, when you're in a business, running a business on your own, you don't really get like the support you get is normally on the phone. There's not other people in the office with you in the same way, right? There's not really that water cooler, like, oh man, this is really tough. Like the people that are around you are people who work for you and are on your team. So the dynamic is a little different. So that's, that's the biggest thing is just trying to identify how resilient is someone and what is their desire to succeed and how willing are they to push through, you know, things when they get a little challenging. And it's somewhat related to that. How do you get yourself out of a slump when you find yourself in sort of a rut? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think one of the, um, one of the things for me that's been really beneficial about, the post COVID world is kind of having a hybrid work environment where I'm in the office some days and then in, you know, my home office, some other days, um, because for me kind of having some changing dynamic of where I am is really good for me. If I've been home for a couple of days and I feel kind of in a rut, then going in the office and seeing my team re-energizes me. If I've been in the office for a while and 
you know, that's kind of starting to wear on me a little bit coming home and having, you know, my animals all around me all day. So for me, it's just being able to vary my surroundings to kind of vary maybe the structure of my day, because most of the rut feeling for me comes from being on the phone 24 seven, 365, like back to back to back to back to back to back of the same kind of activity. So when I can change it up and, you know, change my location, change who I'm around, restructure my calendar, maybe work things out a little bit different, that normally kind of helps shake my creative mind free a little bit. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. But the hybrid work environment, it definitely helps uh, break up the, uh, the kind of daily monotony that yeah. one can get into. Heather, so. uh, social media, I'm guessing, is a big part of your brand awareness. Uh, what are some of the platforms that work effectively with for you in spreading that brand awareness? Yeah, we're primarily focused on really on two, I'll say maybe three as a stretch. So Facebook is a huge platform for us um, on the consumer side, as well as Instagram. Um, and then on the development side from, a, you know, building our brand awareness with entrepreneurs and potential franchisees, LinkedIn is really where we kind of focus those efforts. Um, so those three are, are the big ones. Yeah, we've got a little bit of dabbling happening in TikTok right now, but I think one of the things that um, one of the things that my team loves to say that you know people outside of our space, people outside of marketing, I think sometimes take for granted is like the level of effort that goes into content production by different channel, and it's really easy to say like, oh, why don't you guys just get on TikTok? Well, like the there's a lot to that, right? You guys know that. So um, that's one where I think we'll probably start to do maybe a little bit more over time, but the amount of this production work that it takes and legal and all of those other things for us, we're, we're slowing, you know, we're slowing the tread into, into the water on that one. And Heather, I wanted to talk to you about some of the goals as we end this year here, you know, for authority brands, some of the focus that you have, and then going into next year, I think, you know, at this point, you'll, you'll be into this new role. And, and so talk to us a little bit about some of your focuses, you know, as a whole for authority brands. Yeah, I think right now, my biggest focus, as I'm kind of shifting myself around a little bit is making sure that my team um, and everyone on my team feels supported and feels like they have the resources they need to do the job that they've, you know, been tasked to do, um, which is a really like flowery answer to what my goals are. But I think for me, you know, being able to build this team and have this team of marketers that's so rock solid is really the only way that I've been able to even think about expanding what I'm doing. So making sure that you know, that that continues to kind of be the foundation of everything that, um, that I'm doing with my team specifically. I think from a bigger picture authority brands focus, of course, we're focused on acquisition. It's part of our growth strategy to identify and bring in, you know, other franchise brands that are the right fit in spaces where we don't currently have a brand. So safe to say next year, we'll probably be full of acquisition um, as we look at other brands. 
Um, and then, you know, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple things for my team that we're focused on. We're focused on, you know, how do we think about selling across our brands? That's one that we've started to, to kind of tackle, but as you can imagine, it requires a lot of technology and infrastructure that we don't necessarily have in place to do it the way that we might ideally. So it's a little bit of, you know, thinking, um, how much juice, you know, is the juice, juice worth the squeeze on some of these activities. So that's one that's top of mind. Um, you know, and really we're kind of just thinking about what are the impacts of what, you know, what might be maybe a recession, if it's safe to say the R word or inflation, Mm -hmm. you know, how did those impacts in, you know, the broader economy as a whole impact our franchise owners? How did those impact our relationship with our customers? And are we thinking about that and doing everything we can to kind of protect our owners and their revenue um, against whatever might be coming down the line? So there's a lot of things kind of on the on the radar as we're looking forward, but it's definitely an exciting, an exciting time for us at the three brands. And I loved this question for you before, but I even think it applies more now with your new role, Heather. It's it's how are you getting marketing involved? How are you getting the marketing a seat at the revenue table? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that has been such a joy about being in this organization. Because I will say that I have had experiences before where marketing was kind of an afterthought, right? The strategic conversation was operations and maybe finance and then marketing go and execute against this vision, right? And I will say, you know, I referenced earlier that we execute marketing for six, soon to be seven of our 12 brands where my team actually does the execution. They're doing all their local marketing. And that dynamic really changes how the entire organization thinks about the role of marketing. It's not just a team to kind of like give advice, which in franchising, a lot of marketing teams are kind of strategic advice givers. Here's what to do. Here's a playbook for how to do it. Here are the people to call to hire to help you do it. And in our organization, we are the executors. We do it. So if call volume isn't there, that's on us. If lead volume isn't there, that's on us. And we have to, you know, we have to focus on driving and protecting revenue. So I think really at the end of the day, you know, the focus for me here has always been on a partnership with operations, understanding that marketing can't work well without operations being bought in and supporting us. And operations can be more effective by partnering with us and treating it as a partnership. I think it's really easy sometimes because marketing teams are used to being not at the table that they can tend to get defensive and protective over this is what we should do and this is how we should do it and i know because i'm the marketer you know don't tell me what to do operations and i think you know really trying to focus on understanding how every other department's you know view of something that marketing is recommending will be taken um and then really focusing on collaboration um, is has been very helpful for me Um, and helping me get a seat at the table and therefore getting other people on my team seats at the table viewed in a slightly different way, viewed as more strategic marketers than just executors. Um, But it's a, it's a great question. And it's one that I wish more people were asking and thinking about because it can be really challenging sometimes as a marketer to get out of 
execution view, you know, the team company viewing you as a, you know, a doer versus someone who really can contribute to driving top line revenue. Heather, are there experiences you believe that are unique to women in this field? And is there, do you see a path forward for more women in leadership positions in this field? Oh my gosh, that's a little bit of a heavy question. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, especially in marketing, it is exceptionally challenging because even today, well, even beyond marketing, right? I read a stat the other day that said there are more Fortune 500 CEOs named John than there are Fortune 500 CEOs that are women. That's a little frightening, isn't it? Um, and I encourage everybody who heard that to fact check me to make sure that it's really 500 and not the Fortune 100. But I will say it was a New York Times article, so I trust it to yeah. be accurate, my memory yeah. of it. So, right. And that's crazy. Like, that's crazy to me. So when I think about what I'm trying to do with my team, you know, there are a lot of women in marketing. There are a lot of women who don't reach the senior role within a marketing department um, because there's still a lot of, you know, kind of male domination of that space. And it can be really challenging because you have to be viewed as young enough to understand digital channels, um, but not too young to not be a senior level, you know, C-level peer to other executives. It's a little, it's a little delicate still. So it is a little challenging. Um, I think my goal for the next 10 years would be that, you know, my generation, if you will, of women leaders who in a lot of ways holistically are maybe the first group to more aggressively support and lift each other up. Um, it definitely, I think, was more challenging for the women that came before us because the seats were incredibly limited. And I think it made it harder for them on occasion to openly support each other in the same way. Not that everybody did or didn't, but it was just more, it was harder for them. It's getting easier for us for sure. Um, and I think my generation has the benefit of really wanting to support each other's growth. Success for one does not come at the expense of success for someone else. We can all succeed together. We can all lift each other up. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it can be challenging, but I, I hope it's changing. I hope I'm doing my part to try and change it. And at least in the small microcosm of my own team, um, it's definitely something that Hopefully they can see what I'm trying to do, not as something necessarily just for myself, but for them as well. That was heavy, y'all. I didn't know we were going to get so heavy on women in marketing. And we'll, we'll make it a little bit lighter. This one, this one is a fun question. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of LinkedIn messages, a lot of unsolicited messages. What's a message that really annoys you and what's one that you actually respond to? Messages that annoy me are the really long, cold ones. Like if it, if, at least if it's short and cold and I can eye scan, read it, and I don't have to scroll, I might read it and I might reply to it. Most of the time though, and this is maybe like my message for 
cold LinkedIn people, like cold outreach people on LinkedIn. Most of the time, if you're someone trying to sell something using LinkedIn to prospect, I am not the person you should be reaching out to because all I'm going to do is tell you there's someone else on the team that you should be talking to, right? So, um, but I do look at everything I get via LinkedIn, but the ones that are really long, like paragraphs about why their company is the right thing, I'm just not going to read it because it's just too much. But um, the ones that normally get me are the ones that, you know, say some connection to something um, that I actually have interest in. Although now I feel like maybe I'm going to get like 10,000 of them saying like, Oh, Baylor football did so great this year. Um, which I know would be kind of a lie if they said that. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, you know, put a a novel in your, in your message. Although I will say the real one that annoys me because this has happened to me a couple of times in the last week is one where they send me a message and say that they have something that they think will be useful for a company that I don't actually work for. Like, I don't work for that company. So I don't know where that happened, but I've been getting a lot more of like, whether it's mail merge errors or just sloppy, like that's not actually, because we, we have a lot of brands that have competitors that have kind of similar names. So it's something that I'm sensitive to. Don't, don't use the wrong brand name when you're talking to me. Cause that immediately is like, mm, no, I can't, I can't, I'm a purist. I'm a brand purist. Like I got to protect the brand. Right. <laughs> I, I love it. We got two, two peeves today. I love it, AJ. That's not, you know, she's like, and another thing I don't like. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> well, I, you I, asked about that, <laughs> like LinkedIn cold messages. Come on, everybody's got a list of like five annoying yeah. things, right? So. No, I, I know. I love it. That, and I like the, that we, we, it's our signature question. One of them, we, we've asked 125 guests and it's the long message. I like that. That's a new one. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, if you're going to be cold, be cold short brief yeah Yeah, be brief be brief and brief and cold that's uh that's funny and yeah we it's i love it you're like well i didn't know you guys are gonna get deep on this podcast yeah we we have the heavy hitting (laughs) questions you know why heather we're trying to we're trying to get the message out there as well you know we're trying to get the message out there we need more female leadership we need uh, need that so but yeah thank you for answering that and now let's take another side let's go back let's go to the personal side we try to have a personal side here you know, you lived in any places. You settled in in Baltimore. What do you like doing there? Did you move there for the organization? And, and talk to us about. I know you have your animals. I wanted to see this really large cat that you had, but he, I know that they didn't make an appearance. You were saying it's like one of the largest cats you've ever He's seen. Huge. I was like, He's I gotta huge. see this cat. But tell us what what you like to do for fun. Uh, you know, you, you don't root for the sports there, but uh, tell no. us what, what's uh, what's the what's the typical weekend look like. Yeah. So Baltimore, I moved up here for the job at the cleaning authority, packed up my Jeep and drove across the country. Um, and living in, in Baltimore, um, I've actually really enjoyed, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but the city has a really great live music scene, which is awesome. Um, so there's a lot of great, you know, bars, restaurants that have live music. So if I'm in town for a weekend, I normally try to go to Fells Point, listen to some live music. I've got some friends that play around town. So I normally try to pop over and say hi. Um, even though I'm not a Baltimore sports fan, I love watching sports where if you stand outside, you can hear the screams from the stadium, right? And that's where I live basically. So it's really fun to, you know, to just go out and be in the city when things are happening like that. Um, we're you know two hours from Ocean City, Maryland, and so during the summer I spend a lot of time 
on the water in Ocean City, which is really, really nice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Maryland is a, is a really great place. I didn't really realize yeah. how much there was going on here until I got up here and I really have enjoyed it. That's cool. You said when you're there on the weekends, are you traveling a lot for work? Do you have to go out in the field? Yeah, I travel a decent amount, mostly doing kind of evaluation as we're looking at potential acquisitions. We just actually recently got back from our first ever 12 brand all franchisee conference, which was very fun. Um, COVID kind of put a kibosh on us for a couple of years, but um, so most of my travel is things like that. And then my team is dispersed um, because as we've done these acquisitions and have gotten the opportunity to kind of inherit some really awesome, strong marketers, we've let them stay geographically based where they are when we get them, which means I've got kind of a contingent in Texas. We kind of have a contingent in Denver, in Phoenix, in Macon, Georgia. So there's a little bit of, you know, travel to go see people and check in with the team and things like that. So, um, and then of course I like to travel personally. So, um, I like to try to squeeze in if I get to be somewhere during the week, maybe stay a couple of days and enjoy the weekend somewhere. That's awesome. And, and final, a final thought, or also I had this question, like, have you had, and, and I've made it moment yet. I know you're still, you're rocking and rolling. You're still, you know, growing career wise, you're doing awesome. But have you had that moment? If so, what um, was I mean, I think I've had a, a couple moments that made me think like, I, I like to think that I have the personality that regardless of what path I ended up on, that I would have pushed to do something big. Now, what it looked like, sometimes some of the variables are outside of your control, right? So it's yeah. kind of that mantra of like, you know, being prepared. So when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready. Um, I, you know, recently I gave the keynote speech on the state of the union of our business for 2000 people at our franchise nice. conference. And that That's was one awesome. of those moments of mm -hmm. how did I end up on this stage in front of 2000 people? Like, did I miss a meeting and I got volunteered for this because this is a lot of people, but <laughs> you know, that, that was, that was pretty exciting because there's something about franchising and franchisees, um, the love that they have for what they're doing. They're just so passionate. And so getting to kind of address that group was really exciting. And then, you know, I go back four years, you know, when I first got the, the CMO gig, you know, I remember thinking like, I, I don't even know when I started my career that I even thought that CMO was something that would have been an opportunity. So those were both pretty big moments. I'll say this new chapter of kind of transitioning to a broader role than just marketing is also something I don't know that I necessarily had like plotted on a path, but um, I think the opportunity is really exciting. And, you know, it just gets me excited for like what, what other things might be in the future that aren't even a, you know, a shimmer in, in the eye yet. So yeah, we'll see. Oh, no, I love it. You know, thank you so much, Heather, for sharing your story. You, you know, keep rising. You're doing an amazing. We, we love that you took some time out to share your story with the Marketing Stir and Starista here. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Heather McLeod, the new Chief Growth Officer of Authority Brands. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta, the freshly groomed.
This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.